1: girls. Welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week four is in the books. Um, What was your favorite correct pick this weekend, would you say? We don't have that many. Yeah, that is a short list to choose from. Um, (laughs) Yeah, these games, needless to say, did not really go the way that we thought they would in a lot of cases, so... Um, let's go ahead and, and just jump in and talk about them. So, first of all, worth mentioning off the bat here, uh, we had four games that we picked against the spread. We went one and three against the spread, um, and a couple of them were outright losers, in games that we thought a favorite was going to win. Um, so, we'll mention that. Uh, to start here, NC State 30, number 24, Pittsburgh 29. And, Mike, this this game ruined like pretty much my entire betting account uh, this weekend. It was a a mess. Like I, I absolutely could not see Pitt losing this game, as with what NC State had been in the previous couple of weeks, and yet Pitt came out. I I thought the biggest thing to me, the biggest takeaway, was that Pitt's defense did not look like themselves. They looked a little bit slow, a little bit lethargic. They weren't able to get pressure on Devin Leary. They they didn't create a lot of a lot of issues for him in the way that I thought that they would. If you told me somehow that NC State was going to come up with thirty points, I would have not ever believed you on that I so I I was really disappointed in Pittsburgh's defense in this game but I will say the quarterback play between Kenny Pickett and Devin Leary here was awesome these guys looked about as good as we've ever seen them look and probably have a couple of questions here for Dave Doran with where has Devin Leary been
0: yeah Pitt is on my shit list let's start here Mm -hmm. I took the under 24 first half total um Pitt and NC State just decided that they were going to score a million points in the first half. So that went over, lost that bet. Bet under 46.5 for this game, lost that bet. And mm-hmm. also bet Pitt minus 14, really lost that bet. So it was not good. I, I bet. I played seven bets this weekend. Three of them were on this game, and all three of them lost. So mm-hmm. that got my Saturday off to a really poor start.
1: Pitt ruined uh, a big money line parlay for me, which really <laughs> is still sticking in my, uh, in my crawl.
0: Yeah, the uh, federal government can go back and look at Joey and I's text history, and it's uh,
1: <laughs> incriminating, man.
0: Yeah, if you're patting our doozy, do not look at that thread. <laughs> uh, um, all right. So, yeah, the, the uh, quarterback play was a big takeaway for me outside of me losing all my bets. Um, Devin Leary. Yeah, 28 to 44, 336, four touchdowns. He looked really good. And the immediate takeaway that you and I had, we were texting during this game yesterday, was where has Devin Leary been? Yeah. Um, Devin Leary was named the starter in the offseason. We anticipated that he would be the starter going into the Wake Forest game. And then, like we told you all, Dave Doran went into that, you know, went into that game basically saying, well, he wasn't the most prepared quarterback this week. Whatever that means. So (laughs) they roll with Bailey Hockman in the opener. They win by a field goal um, in a barn burner against Wake Forest. Bailey Hawkman is once again the starter uh, last Saturday against Virginia Tech, and it did not go well for Bailey Hawkman and the NC State offense in the first half. Devin Leary came in, played really well in the second half, so it made sense that he was getting the nod in this game. All he does is throw four touchdown passes to make up for a running game that only averaged two yards per carry in this football game. Joey
1: sounds prepared to me.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Checks notes, ninety point three QBR. Yeah, I think he was prepared. That'll work. Yeah, that'll work. So this game that was, was a takeaway for me. This Joey.
1: game was such a mess for Pittsburgh. They come away from this game with 13 penalties for 125 yards, um, a number of pre-snap things, but also, uh, you know, a couple. Of, I, I will, I will give them this. I felt like there were a couple of pretty, pretty iffy, like roughing the passer calls and you know pass interferences. I, I, I didn't think that they were constantly benefiting from the referees. We'll say that. I agree
0: with that, um, but they had seven pre-snap penalties in the first half, and that is totally on Pitt.
1: Yeah, that's that's not acceptable. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to bring up here, Mike, is that there was a there was a continuance of a trend that we've seen a little bit from Pittsburgh this year, um, and there's there's a, a betting trend there that we can mention in a minute. But mm-hmm. from an on-field standpoint, Pitt has continued to have issues finishing drives. Yes. This, in this game, they're kicking field goals from inside the ten-yard line uh, at yep. one point. Uh, they turned it over on downs at the goal line to start the second half. You know, they're, they're leaving points on the board in these games, and that's what's causing, you know, that, that's what eventually is going to catch up with you when you run into a team that is playing as well as NC State played on Saturday.
0: I pulled in my driveway, um, that, that drive you're speaking of, where they were basically on the one-yard line, came away with no points. I was in my driveway. I had the game. I have serious Radio in my car, so I'm listening to wow, the ACC fancy. network. I know, a big fancy. <laughs> um, doesn't matter now because I don't drive anywhere for work. Anyway, um, I had that game on in the car, and I'm listening to it. And I'm like, oh, Pitt's on the one. Yeah, let me walk in my house and just put the game on. And I walk in the house, and I see that Pitt didn't score. And I'm like, wait a second, what happened? And they showed the play coming out of commercial break. And I was like, oh, my God, how does Pitt not score there? And that was a trend because right before halftime, Pitt's got all this momentum because they all of a sudden were kind of chipping away, getting back in this football game. But they have first and goal at the 9, another pre-snap penalty. They had two false starts that absolutely killed them there. Mm-hmm. Trying to go in and score before the half um, on two consecutive drives. So if you're a Pitt fan, you got to be really frustrated by that. All those pre-snap penalties really killed them in the first half. And then you, know, you talk about the nitpicky pass interference calls and stuff like that. Like There were some, some penalties on downfield passes where I was like, you know what? I'm <laughs> not entirely sure that was DPI. But... Mm-hmm. With all that being said, I, I thought it was an undisciplined football game by the Pittsburgh defense, and that was the big takeaway for me. The secondary had been really good. The pass rush had been really good throughout the first three games of the year. Yesterday, it was the worst I had seen him play. You described it as lethargic, Joey. Mm-hmm. I think that's right on the money.
1: Yeah. They they looked like they just were just there. I don't know if this is a thing where they thought they could just roll their helmets out and win the game or, or what, right. but... That defense, it was lacking an edge that you usually see from them, at least in the last couple of years. Yep. A couple of statistical things. I mean, they come into this game with 17 sacks and 34 tackles for a loss on the year. They ended this game with two sacks and five tackles for loss. So that's a huge drop-off, you know, from what they had been doing. Um yeah, I mean, this was just really disappointing from Pittsburgh. And partially partially, what's disappointing here is wasting as good an effort as they got from Kenny Pickett. This was, I agree. He played a brilliant game, 22 of 39 for 411 and a touchdown, averaging over 10.5 yards per attempt, um, made a couple of some of the best throws I've seen him make in a long time, you know, on like back-to-back plays. I tweeted that out at one point. Yep. Um, you know, he contributed a little bit in the run game as well. You know, not just on QB sneaks and that kind of thing. Like he, he moved a little bit. So I, I was really impressed with him. I thought he played a brilliant game. Um, and it, it sucks now to have to sit there and do that in a, in a loss. You know, that, that's right. too bad for him. Um, neither team was really able to run the ball in this game. Uh, Pitt had an edge in yards per carry at two and a half. Yes. Since he stayed only 2.1 yards per carry. So that was a, a struggle. But um, yeah, I mean, Good win for NC State. You know, give them credit. Yeah. Hand it to yep. them. Again, you're a two touchdown underdog, and you go in into their house and win the game. Like, damn, that, that, that's that's worth celebrating. So good on them. Good on Dave Doran. But you know, at the same time, I, I I don't come out of this feeling better about NC State as much as I come in. You know, come out having a few more questions about Pittsburgh.
0: I, I agree with that generally. I, I will say the one thing that stuck out for me for NC state was the fact that they were able to find a way to throw the ball efficiently enough to win the game through the air. Like that was one of those things I had questions about going into this game because mm-hmm. they ran the ball pretty well against wake forest. They ran the ball pretty well against Virginia tech. They did not run the ball well in this game and they made enough plays through the air with Devin Leary who hadn't really seen a ton of action outside of the second half last week against Virginia tech. So now I'm looking at this and I'm like, all right, if NC state can replicate this, Maybe they don't run the ball as well in some games, but they still get this kind of production out of Devin Leary. Then we're looking at the NC State offense, and we're like, all right, well, maybe they can score enough to make up for a defense that's not great. With all that being said, too, Joey, like, the NC State defense, and I understand Pitt's offense isn't great and all this, But Kenny Pickett probably played his best game in a Pittsburgh Panthers uniform. Mm -hmm. NC State not only withstood it, they ended up winning the game outright. Yeah. Which says something to me as a guy coming into this game who's like, look, NC State's so bad, Pitt's offense will be fine covering two scores. Yep. I said that on the preview. Mm -hmm. It did not play out that way at all.
1: Oh, I I was – I had it in the back of my mind, like, this is a potential shutout situation for Pitt's defense against NC State's offense, and NC State goes out and wins the damn game. Right. All the credit there. Um, Yep. Yeah, I, I was really impressed with Devin Leary. I, th- I mean, he was making good throws. The ball was coming out on time. He was able to extend plays when he needed to. Um, I thought he played. He just played a really, really good game. So, if you get more from that, you know that might change a little bit more of uh, of what I think about NC State. And that's that's the thing that they've been trying to sort, trying so hard to find in the post Ryan Finley era is just who is that go to guy. And if you've got him, I think that changes the outlook for NC State. So. Yeah, NT- agree. NT State improves to two and one. They're even getting votes in the AP poll, which let maybe pump the brakes on that one a little bit. I think, but <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think we're there yet. Yeah, Pitfalls to three and one. Um, worth noting, Mike, and we we noticed this before we came on. A little uh, little betting trend for you with Pittsburgh. Yep, Pittsburgh has been favored the last three weeks. They have not yet covered a spread. So just kind of. Write yep. that down. Keep keep that note posted on your uh, bathroom mirror. Just keep that in mind. Pitt's not covering spreads right now. Right. Which, in this business, we call a trend. That right? is a trend. Yep. NC State 30, Pittsburgh 29. Uh, let's move on, Mike. Your Virginia Tech Hokies 38, Duke 31. Uh, this was also a game that was a little bit more competitive than I thought it was going to be. Um, Virginia Tech... <laughs> gotta love them defensively were so short on just bodies um yeah I mean they were they were struggling in a lot of ways with Duke's offense in this game but I was really impressed with the Hokies running game and and what they were able to do on the ground which is again such a stark difference from what we've been saying about them for a couple of years now um you know good win for Virginia Tech um Duke I thought looked better yeah I mean (laughs) look
0: I mean this is the best Duke has looked and Virginia Tech was down 21 players. They were down a couple of assistants. They were down out of those 21 players, their top four defensive backs. Um, Virginia Tech started a walk-on safety, Tyler Matheny, he's a redshirt sophomore. He had interception and seven tackles. So it was third on the defense in this game for Virginia Tech. So look, the the Hokies are getting next man up, right? Like every single week right now. And through two games they blow out nc state short coaches and short players and they survived this wild game against duke with basically a shell of themselves in the secondary on defense and and like justin fuente said look chase bryce can make all the throws it's just whether or not he's going to not turn the ball over and he only had one interception in this game and only threw one touchdown pass but it felt like a better chase bryce performance and before we talk about What this looks like for Duke the rest of the season. I I, we gotta couch it by saying Virginia Tech just didn't have anybody in the secondary. Mm -hmm. So how much better was this for Chase Bryce? And the one interception he threw was, you know, probably should have been caught. It was that interception by Matheny. Um, quick note here, Khalil Herbert, 208 yards rushing, also had 150 kick return yards. He had three hundred and fifty-eight all purpose yards that set a single game record for Virginia Tech football. Mm -hmm. So he's a ball player. Uh, He was good at Kansas, but now he's behind a really good offensive line, and that's showing. Uh, The one other note I have here for Virginia Tech, Braxton Burmeister, 9 of 25, was not great in this football game. Made four really good throws, Joey, but outside of that, he was just not really good through Mm -hmm. the air at all. Yeah. Um, Hendon Hooker was dressed in the backup in this game, but Joey, I don't think he's quite ready yet. I mean, he missed about three weeks of practice, it turns out, Hmm. Um, so he was out a significant portion of fall camp. There are some rumors circulating that the coaching staff might be a little bit worried about some of the weight he's lost, so
1: hmm. he's
0: not quite <laughs> not quite there yet, potentially, from a physical standpoint. We've talked about Hennon Hooker's weight before and how he's kind of this lanky quarterback, and he's run the ball a lot and has a tendency to take some hits. Yep, They might want to get a little bit more on that frame, um, but I don't think... Nothing that I saw, let let me put it this way, nothing that I saw and nothing that I've seen in the first two games to me indicates that Braxton Burmeister is a better choice of quarterback than Hendon Hooker. And Justin Fuente made the mistake with Ryan Willis last year holding on to that too long. And if Hendon Hooker is actually healthy and he's sitting behind Braxton Burmeister, I have some questions, Joey.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Burmeister had some big issues in the passing game yesterday. Just just straight up accuracy problems. Uh, Good running the ball. Good running the ball. Oh, he was a key... Passing. passing's an issue. Yeah. I mean, Burmeister was a key part of what I felt like was a pretty effective rushing offense for Virginia Tech. I mean, they right. they come away from this game with about a six and a half yards per carry, four touchdowns on the ground. Like that's that's good. That's what you want and that's what you look for. And and Burmeister was certainly a part of that, even though he got sacked a couple times. Like so so that was a good sign, I thought. Um yeah, I don't have a ton more here. I mean, it was good to see Chase Bryce take care of the ball a little bit better. Um, the one interception that he did throw was just, it was, I guess we can sit here and argue whether it was really, truly off target or not. I mean, I kind of felt like it was, it was thrown high over the middle receiver reaches up for it and tips it, but can't really get both hands on it. And, you know, a walk on safety for Virginia tech just runs under it and and takes it back another 15 yards, the other direction. Um, so, you know, that's not really the best look, but you know, overall he it was okay you know took care of the ball yep. but again i mean how, how much were they being challenged i don't know that's another question so right you know survive in advance for virginia tech i think here and and you really were hoping to see a bigger you know more emphatic win uh, after you know being embarrassed by duke last year right but a win's a win
0: a win's a win and down all those guys in the secondary i think virginia tech fans will take it and the um the one thing I will note, Joey, is Duke had the momentum here in the third quarter and Khalil Herbert had like an 86 yard kick return to set Virginia. He scored initially on the play and they they said he stepped out at like, I guess, the 13 or the 14. Mm-hmm. Burmeister had a touchdown run a couple plays later. That really flipped the momentum in this game. And even, you know, even late, like in the fourth quarter, Burmeister makes a throw down the down the sideline to Trey Turner with Virginia Tech up. And it looks like the Hokies are going in to score and put the game on ice and then Burmeister and Cleo and Herbert fumble in exchange and Duke recovers and Virginia Tech is defensively just absolutely gassed. And this defense with all of the guys in the secondary, all these replacement players, they get a three and out <laughs> and then they go down and Cleo Herbert breaks the game open with a long touchdown run. It, it was just another character win for Virginia Tech mm-hmm. and looking ahead to next week and the biggest game of the year so far against North Carolina, who I'm sure we're going to talk about here in a moment, Joey. Yep. Like that's a winnable game for Virginia tech. If they have pieces back in the secondary, but that's a big if, and that's something that you have to be worried about as a Hokey fan going into next week.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Um, by the way, Duke scored their first touchdown on a recovered dropped punt. Mm. So Tavian
0: Robinson didn't love that one in the post no. game. He's like, yeah, probably should have just let that go.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of – Duke went a pretty long stretch at the end of the first half, too, of like three straight drives went effectively three and out, Um, a number of three and outs in this game. So their their offense at times can really struggle to get started at all. Um, That's probably a trend to keep an eye on as well. Yep. Virginia Tech 38, Duke 31. We'll keep moving here. Number 12, North Carolina 26, Boston College 22. And, Mike, if you're thinking that's an interesting score to a football game – you're correct. Um, what what it was was it was 24 to 16, which is a little bit more of a normal score. And then Boston College scores a touchdown, goes for two, throws an interception, and North Carolina ran it all the way back. Um, yeah, they did. So we're going to talk about that again here in a little while. A little spoiler alert. Um, otherwise, North Carolina looked kind of rusty in this game. Yeah, they. I mean. I don't know what to say about North Carolina. I mean, they came out pretty hot. They scored touchdowns in their first two drives, uh, and moved the ball down the field pretty easily. But then Sam Howell throws an interception on their third possession. And then from there, it was much, much tougher sledding. We'll say, um, you know, in Boston college did a good job of, of sustaining drives and drawing things out and limiting possessions in this game. So it, it kind of kept UNC from really getting in a rhythm and, and, and really just taking off, um, but, you know, a win's a win. Again, this is a lot closer than we thought it was going to be against a Boston College team that just effectively lost to Texas State and, and kind of got right. lucky to win last week. So, I, I don't know. I, I, same thing. I don't know how much better this makes me feel about Boston College as much as, man, North Carolina, like, you got to start being what we think you're going to be if if you're actually going to be that. Yeah, I agree.
0: Um Yeah, a weird game. I mean, we were talking in the preview about how, look, North Carolina's a two-touchdown favorite. A lot of people are saying, oh, my God, it's a lock. They're much better than Boston College, especially with how BC looked against Texas State. But you and I both talked about how there could be a rust factor, like uh, UNC hadn't played in three weeks. Mm -hmm. That really showed. Like, North Carolina got off to a really good start. They were up 14-3 after one. Excuse me. But they they just didn't look good. Um, Really, throughout the duration of this game, it just didn't seem like the offense looked as comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, after the first quarter. It was a little, it was weird. I don't know if it was something that Boston College did defensively to kind of make some adjustments and kind of bottle things up, but it was weird because, like, you look at the stats for North Carolina, like, Sam Howell had a pretty decent game, right? Like, he throws for 225, two touchdowns and a pick. The running game, like, the, the backfield averages four and a half yards per carry. Like, offensively, it seemed fine. But like you mentioned, BC just felt... It felt like they took North Carolina out of a rhythm. Like, North Mm -hmm. Carolina likes to get the ball. They like to score quickly. It just feels like Boston College just held on to the ball and just kept picking up first downs, just kind of drawing this game out. Yeah. Which is interesting because BC only rushed it 19 times for 40 yards. So it's weird how this just kind of kept being drawn out, especially the second half. I'm like yo, UNC, you guys got to put Boston College away? Because, like, BC wasn't doing anything fancy yeah. in the second half. I mean, they scored six points in the second half. Yeah. This was this was a game where BC had the bulk of their offensive production, obviously, in the second quarter. And just felt like after that, they couldn't really get going. But neither could North Carolina. And it was a really ugly game in the second half. Like you mentioned, BC scores that late touchdown in the fourth quarter. All of a sudden, it's 24-22. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, wait a second if BC converts here, are they going to try to steal this? Yeah. It, and, and it never really felt like North Carolina could pull away. And that was odd to me. Um, and I just don't really come away from this game. Really all that impressed with either team. I think it tells us more about North Carolina at this point that does uh, about BC. Like, I don't really know what Boston college is. Truthfully, Joey, like yeah. look really good against Duke. Like, lay an egg kind of against Texas state, but find a way to win. And then all of a sudden you just kind of draw this game out against a North Carolina team on paper that we think is pretty good, Mm -hmm. but nothing I've seen out of North Carolina so far this year indicates to me that they're a top 15 team and Joey, they're ranked number eight in the country in the new AP poll. And I don't, I don't see that in in the two games I've watched.
1: Yeah, I saw that. I was like, this has not played like a top 10 team so far. No,
0: no, agree. And I I think they're good, right? Like, I think Mm -hmm. they have high-level offensive players, and they got a lot of defense, like, a lot of returning production on defense. Like, I do think they're a good team, Joey. I think they're well-coached. and I think they're well-coached, but having them sitting at number eight after the two performances that I've seen, I can't get behind that yet. I mean, I, I haven't seen anything to indicate that that's going to be the case.
1: Yeah, the number eight team in the country wouldn't take 40 minutes to really wake up against Syracuse and wouldn't, you know, be in danger of a uh, two point conversion to tie the game, you know, with a minute to go against Boston. I College. agree. Like, I agree. And, and it's worth mentioning, too, here that North Carolina, for, first of all, only had the ball nine times in this game. Like, weird. Literally, weird I mean, game. this is a legitimately limited possessions kind of game. Um, I mean, Boston College, if you look at Boston College's drives, 7 plays, 3 minutes and 12, 10 plays, 349, 10 plays, 347, 3 plays, 18 seconds, 3 plays, 235, 10 plays, a minute, 9, 5 plays, 211, 9 plays, 605, 6 plays, 256, 15 plays, 501. Like, they were just holding on, just sitting on the <laughs> ball. For 9 plays, game. 9 plays, 605 Absolutely, chef's kiss. Yeah, put that in a museum. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, North Carolina definitely left some points on the board. Uh, They had the ball in the red zone or or right on the cusp of the red zone to start the second half. And then big, long, big play for a loss turns into a punt situation. Um, They missed a field goal right before Boston college went down and scored to try to tie the game. Um, So, you know, left some points on the board here. Um, not, Not the cleanest, not the cleanest performance, but once again, survive in advance um and and yeah i mean this is going to be a a game next week that i think puts one of these teams in the in the driver's seat moving forward between virginia tech and north carolina um i am i am not of the mindset that north carolina is again legit number eight in the country good um but sp plus has not at number 11 so i don't know maybe someone's someone knows something that i don't i guess
0: yeah i i don't know weird but look Michael Carter, can we talk about him for a second? Sixteen carries, one hundred twenty-one yards. He was really good for North Carolina in this game. Yeah, that'll work. Um, so that was awesome. And yeah. then like Sam, I thought Sam Howell played pretty well. So it was just a very, it was an odd game. Um, it it worries me a little bit that North Carolina can't put these mediocre to bad teams away. Um, yep. It took him a while against Syracuse, and in this game. I was like, oh, man, BC's had this three-week layoff, and they looked really good in the first quarter. And then that was it, really. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, is this all we're going to get out of North Carolina today? The answer was yes. It was a very weird game for them after that. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's only two-game sample size, so maybe maybe they iron some things out. But it's a big game next week against a Virginia Tech team that, in my opinion, down a bunch of starters and down a lot of guys to, to COVID and injuries and all that. Like, Techs look better. Mm-hmm. So I... <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be an interesting game in Chapel Hill next Saturday.
1: Yep, I, I'm looking forward to it. Yep. North Carolina 26, Boston College 22. Uh, last of our conference games, Mike. Number one, Clemson 41, Virginia 23. This was the this was the only game of the week, first of all, that we picked correctly uh, from a spread perspective on the podcast. But yeah, um, I mean this this is pretty much exactly what we said it was going to be. Um, this was Virginia just kind of hanging around and hanging around, and it was never really a true threat. Um, but they were able to sustain a couple of drives and, and convert a couple of third downs and draw the game out and limit, you know, possessions and all this. And next thing you know, it's, you know, final score and it's not even close, but they've covered 28. So, um, yep. I thought good on Virginia for, for doing kind of what we thought they were going to be able to do here.
0: Yeah. I mean, my, my major takeaway from this is obviously Clemson is much better. Mm-hmm. Um, Trevor Lawrence is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, 25 of 38, three twenty three touchdowns, uh, He's the best quarterback in the country. Mm-hmm. There's a shocking revelation to all of you. <laughs> um it's the analysis the, you come here for. That's right. Uh, Travis Etienne averaged over five yards per carry, had 73 yards on 14 carries and a touchdown. His touchdown run was outrageous. Um, Virginia was in really good position. They had him tackled about three different times. He eludes a couple defenders and goes in for the 17-yard touchdown run. He's just an outrageous player. I mean, it's just... Mm-hmm. It was just our talent is better than yours on a couple of plays in this game. Yep. But my my main takeaway here, Joey, was that I thought Virginia played well. Um, that was my big takeaway from this game. Virginia played well, and they're just not on the same level as Clemson, which we knew going in. But if you're a Virginia Cavaliers fan, and this is going to be your bridge year, you have to feel good about the trajectory of the program yep. you know, out of what you've seen in two games. Like, I get it. Slow start last week against Duke, but then... You beat the brakes off of them after that. And then you come into this game against Clemson, you are overmatched all over the field. And defensively you find a way to just kind of hang around, get Clemson to punt a little bit. But then offensively, look, like Brandon Armstrong isn't a finished product mm-hmm. by any stretch. He's he's been struggling through two weeks to complete fifty percent of his passes, right? And it's been kind of this roller coaster ride with him. But I can understand why Virginia fans are excited about him. Mm-hmm. Um he's run the ball well. He had eighty nine yards rushing uh, on twenty two carries. So some of those scramble situations, some of those design quarterback runs. He had three touchdowns passing, 270 yards for the air. He also had like two pretty bad interceptions. So mm-hmm. it's kind of this like it's a total roller coaster with him right now. Yep. But I can see why UVA fans are excited. And if Brandon Armstrong, like as he continues to get more experience, if he if he's able to hone that in a little bit, I think Virginia with that defense has a chance to be pretty good this year. Yeah. I'm not talking about like next year. They have a pretty good chance to be good this year. And I didn't necessarily think that going into the season. I've been impressed with them through two weeks.
1: No, I completely agree. And I'm, I'm right there with you of, this, of the idea that if this is your, you know, your bridge year, quote unquote, or your rebuilding year, and this is what you're going to be. I think you're pretty happy with that. Like, Agree, yep. You know, this is what we've talked about kind of in the offseason is that Bronco Mendenhall has elevated the floor for this program. I mean, it's not that long ago that Mike London had him winning, what, two games a year, three games a year? Yep. And, I mean, it was kind of they were the basement and they were the free square on everyone's schedule in the ACC. And now, I mean, you're talking about a team that, again, is in a rebuilding year, ton to replace on offense, you know, all this, that's probably good enough to make a bowl game.
0: I mean, I think so. Yeah, don't you? I mean, they got a they got a tough schedule, but I. Phew. Yeah, there's some there are some games on here. where We are like, oh yeah, these are fifty fifty games. And all of a sudden, I look at UVA and I'm like, oh yeah, they're the favorite to win that football game. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't think that coming into the year. Mm-hmm. So I've been I've been impressed with them, and I think Bronco Mendenhall is one of the best coaches in the conference. He's only been in the league a couple of years now, but he's just he's got them ready to play. And this is a like this is the bridge year, and they're just well coached. Period. They are a well-coached football team.
1: Mike, I think this is year five of Bronco Mendenhall. <laughs> Let me look this. Really? Up here. I think so. Has he been? Has he been in the league as long as Fuente? Yeah. Yeah. He took Yikes. over in 2016.
0: Well, anyway. Um, <laughs> wow. Not to call a you out in old. the middle of the
1: podcast or anything like that, but
0: a, t- a tale as old as time. <laughs> the Virginia football program. That's your right. Bronco Mendenhall. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it just feels like this is going to be kind of the worst that we see out of Virginia football. if that's the case after the London years, woo boy, Mm -hmm. like we're going to be feeling really good about this.
1: I'm with you on Brandon Armstrong. Um, I mean, he's had some really good moments. He's made some really good throws. He's, he's mobile. He uses his mobility. Well, he adds in the run game, all that. He also throws some horrible interceptions at times. And, you know, it is very much a, a, like you described it as a roller coaster experience watching him watching him play, um, so he'll he'll continue to get better. But you're already seeing kind of some of what the, the capability is there at least, and I think that's a really good sign for him uh, moving forward here into the next few years. So um, I don't have anything else here, Mike, unless you do. No, I think we're good. Clemson forty one, Virginia twenty three. Uh, a couple more games we have against FCS competition. Uh, mm-hmm. Wake Forest sixty six, Campbell fourteen. This game was a little bit of a game in the first half. Um, you know, w- Wake took only, you know, it, it took most of the first half for them to open up a 24-7 to lead. And then, Mike, in the third quarter, it turned into an absolute avalanche. Wake Forest scores 28 points in the third quarter um, and really just starts running away with it. Um... I mean, this is a game that Wake was favored. I think the closing line was something at like 34 or something like that. And so when Wake Forest is is favored by 34 points points over anybody, it tells you something. But still, I mean, it makes you feel good as a Wake fan or something, or as a member of the team to, you know, coming off of a couple of losses, be able to come in here and just kind of exercise some demons, uh, you know, get out some aggression, get into some rhythm, and and now hopefully have a little bit of momentum that you're feeling like you're, you're working towards something here uh, with another game towards uh, here in a couple of weeks against Virginia. So I I don't know. Good, good win for wake forest. Good performance here.
0: You're talking about wake forest, exercising their demons, really wake forest in the second half, just went out to get some exercise. Like that's really (laughs) just, it's basically what happened Um, running a lot of, a lot of running Um, Taylor Moran, nine yard pass from Sam Hartman. That was with 1225 to go in the third quarter, literally um, 59 seconds later, Zion Keith, 45 yard interception return. Mm-hmm. Um, so it went from 24 to 7 to 38 to 7 in a span of about four minutes. And then it got real ugly, like yeah. you mentioned. Like Wake Forest scores two more times in the third quarter, twice in the fourth, and absolutely just ran away with this football game. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it was like it was this game in the first half where Wake Forest was. Just kind of chipping away and scoring some points. They get out to a quick 14 nothing lead, but then the second quarter, they couldn't really like pull away, pull away. Mm-hmm. And it was like 24 to 7.5. And, and you're like, all right, well, like Wake's the better team. And then it was a
1: murder. Yeah. Yeah. It got real bad real fast. Yeah. Um, so good on Wake 66 14 winners over the Campbell fighting camels, Mike.
0: Yes. You ever that's seen right. Camel fight? I'm going to leave that right there. <laughs>
1: Florida State, 41, Jacksonville State, 24. Um, if, if this sounds like it was kind of a close game to you, uh, you don't know the half of it. Um, Florida State was down by two touchdowns in this game shortly before halftime. Um, and, and this is the point that we're sitting here looking at ourselves saying, oh God, what are we about to witness here? Um, yeah, that was nerve-wracking.
0: Yeah, I texted you. I was like, uh, Florida State, question mark? Yeah, Um, (laughs) that wasn't good. Big yikes. Florida State. Uh, Zarek Cooper was the quarterback for Jacksonville State in this game. Former Clemson commit and Mm -hmm. recruit and backup to the backup to the backup. He was like, (laughs) I think he was uh, Kelly Bryant's backup.
1: Might have been. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, It rings a bell. so So he goes 22 of 30 in this game for 232 yards and a pick uh really it was just a ugly ugly game for Florida State offensively in the first half um they were down 14 nothing after one we're all sitting here saying Florida State's not really going to do this today are they <laughs> um then they scored 34 points in the second and third quarter so that helped a lot um and really just kind of got it together after halftime. Jordan Travis started a quarterback in this game for Florida State, Joey. 12-17, 210 yards, a touchdown.
1: He he starred in this game at quarterback, but Tate Rotomaker started the game. Starred. Okay. Starred. So, yes. Yeah, so that's one of the things I was going to mention here is that we didn't see James Blackman in this game. He, he was benched, um, just outright benched. He was healthy as far as we know, and just Mike Norvell decided he's not good enough. He doesn't play, so they start Tate Rotemaker. Tate Rodemaker, like, on the third play from scrimmage, throws a pick six, and from there, I mean, a few drives later, it was like they still hadn't scored a, a, a point, and they were down two touchdowns. Jordan Travis comes into the game for Florida State, and the resulting drives are touchdown, 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 touchdown. Start that kid. Yeah, maybe just play him.
0: Yeah, maybe just play him. Um Florida state five rushing touchdowns in this game, 263 yards, rushing five yards per carry. Maybe just run the ball too. Yeah. Um, that seems to be working. I'm so sick of watching Florida state. I mean, Jordan Travis was good, like passing the ball in this game, but Florida state throwing the ball through three games has been an adventure. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I mean, good for Florida state for not blowing this, but, ah, uh, yikes.
1: I'm with you. It, it is so frustrating watching a Florida State team that has as much talent as it seems like they do. I mean, if you look at the 24-7 like team composite rankings where they're going to basically just stack up recruiting classes on top of each other for the last four or five years and tell you kind of what your whole roster looks like, like they're ranked 16th in the country. Yeah. Like that's the level of talent that we're talking about. They, they're ranked one spot ahead of Miami. Which take that and do with it what you will. They're ranked behind Notre Dame at nine and behind Clemson at four, and that's it in the ACC. So you've got like the third most talented roster in the conference, arguably, and you're finding yourself down a couple scores to Jacksonville State in your own building. Like, yeah, that's that's not a good look, and it, there's clearly something pretty. Um, Pretty deep seated within this program that Mike Norvell and his staff are gonna have to figure out and, and undo and, and fix because man, things are not great in Tallahassee right now.
0: You gotta tear it down before you build it back up, but <laughs> in the first quarter in this game, I, I was sitting here wondering if we were gonna talk about Florida State being 0 and 3, losing to Jacksonville State. And I wasn't really sure how I was going to approach that on this podcast because there are programs that bought them out and I like to make fun of Georgia tech for losing to the Citadel last year. Mm-hmm. But if you're Florida state, like you're not supposed to lose Jacksonville state when you got four and five stars all over the field, like that's not supposed to happen. And mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how I was going to approach that on here. Yeah. So I'm glad Florida state found a way.
1: And, and, and that was the thing I was going to mention too, is give them credit, credit where credit's due is, you know, you did come back and, and, and win the game pretty comfortably. So, that's good. That's that's positive, but Right. you know. Anyways, that's that's all I got. Florida State yeah, 41. For,
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it was 41-10 after the first quarter. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a pretty dominant performance by Florida State once they kind of strapped up their helmets. S- settled
1: in, yeah. Yeah. Florida State 41, Jacksonville State 24. Uh Mike, you want to give out some awards? <sighs> uh yeah. Let's just start with the You tried Award. Yeah, let's start. Let's just start there. Yeah, the Brian let's Van Gorder Memorial U-Tried Award this week goes to you boys. Um, we we just are taking big L's on the bets and on the picks lately. Uh, the The picks have not been good. Uh, we are not giving out winners. You should probably just start fading us if you want. Um, yeah. So that that's not good. Now, once again, we've also picked Pit to cover like every week for the last three weeks, and that hasn't really gone well. So. The u Tride Award goes to us for our picks, but a little featuring uh, featuring the Pittsburgh Panthers on that one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I went over 3 on Pitt picks, like I mentioned. Um, it, it was real bad for me yesterday. Mm-hmm. Pitt hasn't covered a spread, like you mentioned, through three weeks of the season. Um, they look terrible defensively. All we talked about in the preview is, oh, man, Pittsburgh's defense against this NC State offense has been kind of up and down through the air, and we felt like that... The Pittsburgh defense could bottle up the NC State rushing attack. Well, they did that, but they also let Devin Leary throw for four touchdowns, which I didn't have that in our preview notes. Yeah. So um, I'm not too happy with Pittsburgh. I'm not too happy with us, Joey. For me, yesterday um, it was a two and five day for me at the window, mm-hmm. which isn't good. Yeah. Um, and I had a rough week last week too. So it just hasn't been good. It's, it's not. College football has not been kind to me here. Yeah. In the early yeah. part of the season.
1: I, I, I through four weeks, three of them, I've been under 500 on my picks on this podcast. So that's yep not a good feeling, Mike. Not a good feeling. More than half yep. of my wins against the spread came in that first week. So not a good feeling.
0: Yeah. So you guys tell us now. I will say this is probably the first time that we've been the you tried award recipients. I can't remember another time where we've been featured here.
1: Oh, I'm sure – it's definitely happened before. I just can't remember when. (laughs) Eventually it comes back to us, eventually. Yes, yes. Uh, Mike, the GoACC moment of the week, we we referred to this earlier, but I I just couldn't help but enjoy the the slight egg-on-the-face feeling watching North Carolina miss a field goal that would have put the game out of reach for Boston College. Boston College drives all the way down the field – goes in, scores a touchdown. It's now a two-point game. They're going to go for two, try to tie the game. And not only, Mike, do they not get it, but two points go the other direction. And so now a field goal doesn't help you if you get the onside kick. Like, like the thought that you would have almost been better off spiking the ball than than running the play you did, like that, I, I couldn't help but enjoy the uh, just kind of the irony in all of that. So the goalie season over the Week for me goes to Boston College for – trying to go in and do the right thing to win the game and actually hurting yourself in the process. Not bad.
0: Yeah, yeah I agree. Absolutely hilarious. Like, Phil Chukovic rolls out, and it's a dead play. And he's obviously, like, this is do-or-die time for BC trying to tie this game with basically not a ton of time left on the clock. And you throw a pick... And not only do you just, like, throw a pick and just not get the two-point conversion, it then ben gets returned 99 yards the other way. And now even if you get the onside kick, like you mentioned, a field goal doesn't help you because you're now trailing by four. Mm-hmm. Um, so it didn't matter. BC didn't get the onside kick and all is well, I guess. Yeah. But it just, yeah, the fact that BC would have been better off even just, like, kicking an extra point is absolutely hilarious to me.
1: Yep, yep. So go ACC to that. Boston College, well done. Um, we, we appreciate the effort there. Uh, Mike, you got a team of the week?
0: Um, team of the week for me is NC State. <laughs> I think I it's, it's, it's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah. yeah. We're not the team of the week. No. Um, yeah. Team of the week has to be NC State. I, I, Joey, quite honestly, I'm not sure who else who else you could pick on this board. I mean, maybe you can make the argument for Virginia Tech being down a million players, but NC State's got to be the pick for me.
1: Yeah, I think so. I I, I could also kind of make an argument for maybe Virginia, just kind of sticking sticking with Clemson in in a lot of ways. I think that's that's, that's yep. a good sign, you know. But I, uh, yeah, no, it's NC State for me as well. And I I typically try not to uh, you know double up on these, and and both of us go for the same team. But I think this week being what it was, and how disappointed we were with a couple of different teams' performances, N- NC State coming away with a big win in a situation where they're a two touchdown underdog, like
0: you know that that's got to be the pick for me yeah it's a huge win for dave doran period Mm -hmm. i mean huge win
1: yep it it was absolutely huge um player of the week that, that was where my thought was to go to devin leary um i mean i thought he played a pretty brilliant game and he was honestly him doing what he was doing was the reason that nc state was able to win that game um as much as anything so give me devin leary for player of the week
0: i think that's a good pick um And my pick goes to another player who, (laughs) look, if he didn't do what he did, the team probably loses. Khalil Herbert for Virginia Tech, 208 Mm -hmm. yards rushing, two touchdowns, 150 yards on kick return. We mentioned the kick return that he had the third quarter that totally flipped the momentum of the game. His 358 all-purpose yards, a school record for Virginia Tech. If Virginia Tech didn't have Khalil Herbert on the roster yesterday, they'd lose for the second consecutive year to Duke. So, yep, um, huge game for Khalil Herbert. He's been a big reason why Virginia Tech's
1: 2-0. Honorable mention for me was going to be Kenny Pickett. Um, yeah, I mean, no kidding. I, I'll take Devin Leary because his team won, and he was able to propel, you know, propel his guys to a win. But I, I can't get over how just generally impressed I was with Kenny Pickett like relative to what I've gotten used to seeing from him in, in recent years, really. Right. Um, so I I was really, really happy with what I saw from him. Really impressed. So if you get, you get more two that, touchdown runs, Joey, two touchdown runs. Yeah. Yeah. We need to talk about that at some point is Pitt's <laughs> offense really deciding what they, what they want to be and what they are, because there's a little bit of an identity crisis there, I think right now, but choose, but, choose your own adventure. Yeah. That's a discussion for a later day. Yep. Mike, that's all I got in week four. Anything else?
0: Uh, we learned more than we wanted to. We said, Joey, you know, I I want to just circle back to preview real quick. We said on the preview towards the end of the podcast, we were like, yeah, I hope everything goes well for all the favorites. And I mean, in some cases it did, in some cases it didn't. And Mm -hmm. even if it did go well for the favorites and they won the game outright, it didn't end up kind of how we expected it to. So I learned a decent amount this week, I felt like.
1: Yeah, definitely did. Um, Didn't think I would, but we learned a decent amount. And, you know... (laughs) It's a weird year, Mike. I think that's that's the best thing I can. The best way I know how to put it is, it is a weird year right now. Yeah, um, you have teams that are just randomly laying eggs in games that you know you figure they're going to be able to just kind of walk out there and win without a problem, and then they go out there and it's either way too close for comfort or it's an outright loss. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know how to adjust for that necessarily with my picks, but right, it, it's definitely kind of this uneasy feeling as I try to figure out what to expect.
0: I mean, we had multiple games this week that had double digit spreads and this was probably the most entertaining week that we've had so far.
1: It was, yeah. It was fun. I mean there were yeah, a lot of close games and interesting situations to be in. So um yeah, so it's not all bad. It's all good. We no. had fun. Yep. Yeah, it was good. We had fun. All right. Mike, let's get out of here. Uh we're gonna come back and preview week five uh, but in the meantime you guys can find us on twitter i am at ftrs joey he is at mike mcdaniel vt and together we're at bc podcast acc y'all can send us an email with your questions comments concerns to the longest email address to no man: basketball conference podcast at gmail.com nailed it thank you you can find us on itunes google podcasts spotify stitcher breaker all those great places and especially on the anchor app appreciate those you have uh, mike you want to tell where they can find us on the social medias
0: Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of your podcasts there, Joey.
1: Please do. Please do. And once again, appreciate those who have. Uh, Mike, you want to come back and preview week five?
0: Yes, are A big week in the ACC next week, to say the least.
1: Very big. Um, we got a Friday night game that I'm going to be at, uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, we've got six games on Saturday, all conference competition. So this is a this is a big week. We've got a couple of really... Key marquee matchups, so should be a lot of fun to preview this one.
0: Yeah, ranked on ranked in a couple different occasions there, too. So it should be good. Yeah,
1: this is is a great weekend for ACC football coming up, so keep it tuned here. We will uh, get you prepared, and we'll tell you all the picks that we're going to make so that you can make the opposite ones. How's that?
0: That's, uh, I mean, look, fade us.
1: (laughs) Clearly. Yeah. Clearly a good strategy at this point. I'd be retired if I was just betting the opposite way. So anyways. Yeah. All right, Mike. Well, we will talk then we're not retired so yeah we'll talk then absolutely got to keep doing it until then yep uh all right well until next time for mr mike mcdaniel i am joey weaver thank you guys so much for listening we'll talk to you again soon and until then go acc